You're listening to Escaping the Rat Race. I'm your host, Amy Leo, a singer, songwriter, and mental health educator. And our show is all about questioning the status quo and pushing the boundaries into what's possible for human beings and not probable. So tune in and get ready to escape the rat race, not only the monotonous nine to five work grind, but also that incessant internal mental chatter that prevents most of us humans from experiencing more joy, peace, clarity, and freedom. Welcome to part two of the five biggest problems that creative people face and the one solution. I do encourage you, if you did not take a listen to part one, to go back and listen to part one first. On that call, I invited you, the listener, to really listen to the podcast from a different place than perhaps you're used to listening to, to really pick up on when Meg or I were speaking from our personal thinking versus when we were speaking more neutrally and universally. And on that episode, we dove into the topics of perfectionism, the comparison curse, the really common fear of rejection and failure, as well as money as being problems that really paralyze creative people. On today's call, I'm going to invite you to listen in the same kind of way. Listen with awareness to what's going on inside of yourself. Not so much with trying to write down a list of things that Meg or I say is important, but for you to really again listen from an experiential place, looking more towards what you're hearing and how it relates directly to you in your own life. So we're going to jump back into part two here. We left off last week. I was actually telling a story about a gentleman that I know that when his bank account fell under half a million dollars, he basically freaked out. He started looking into lowering the salaries of his employees that were making 30000 and that's where we're going to jump in today on the topic of money. If you have opinions that differ from Meg and I on money, which I'm almost positive that you will, I just encourage you again to just stay with the entire podcast. It's only 30 minutes, and I think you will really find that it's worth sticking in for the entire 30 minutes to the end of today's show. Let's get into it. So you were talking about money being a sticky area. And as you know, for me, Amy, it has been a sticky area in my life before. And I've come so far. And one thing I love that you said about it was really that it's like, you mentioned like a, uh, somebody whose bank account went under a half a million or something like that. And it just shows you that no money doesn't really matter about an actual happiness. You know what I mean? People always think like, if I had then, if I had then, right. And so it's like, if I had half a million dollars, then I'd be happy. But this guy had half a million dollars and he wasn't happy. And then he probably changed the way he even lives his life and wanted to not intentionally hurt other people's lives, you know what I mean? But lower their paycheck, which is going to affect all these people when maybe that's not even what he really wants, but he's just so afraid and he's acting out of fear. And like money, what I've come to believe about it is that it is just a value and it's an exchange of energy, like you said, because in in all honesty, everybody's wage, whether you're an entrepreneur and you make your own wage up because this is how much you're charging or you're working for somebody else who made up your wage it's a made up amount of money. It's not your self-worth. It's like 
this is what I feel like paying people. And I'm sure people will accept that because somebody needs some money. You know what I mean? Even minimum wage, it's, it's a made up amount. Somebody made that amount of money up. It doesn't actually have anything to do with you as an individual and your self-worth. So that's what I want to say about money. Uh, if you want to add anything in, then I'll ask you on my last question. Yeah, well, I just want to be really clear to listeners as best I can. Of course, I can't, I have no control over how people are going to interpret this or take home what they think I'm saying. But I am not saying that money isn't useful. Logistically, it can be very helpful. It can buy you things. It can provide shelter. These are things that could be very useful and desirable. But the truth is, I've also met people from all over the world that don't make barely any money. I remember people in India, small towns in India, and, and yet they were very happy and some of the most loving people I've ever met. So I really do want to throw that into the mix. And then this piece of what Meg and I are pointing to, and this is actually getting into the solution, the one solution, but everybody experiences a clear mind and has the potential to experience a clear mind more often. Because just like Meg said, whatever we will put our attention to, our brain is going to grow more pathways in that direction. And the truth is, when I have a clearer mind, when I recognize that I'm living in a world of thought, in a world of made-up interpretation and meaning, and that's what I'm designed to do and it's okay, but when I realize that, I'm better able to take action that will be helpful to me when I have a problem like no money or a problem, quote unquote, right? Because it's only a problem because I think it is. But this is really practical. I just want to get really real with people and, and share that we're not talking about some woo-woo thing that, yeah, your bank account's in, negative, in the negatives and you know, just do some positive thinking and life will be fine and then you're starving because you haven't eaten in the week. What I'm saying is that you are an incredibly resourceful human being and that when your mind quiets, you will see a solution. And if this sounds like a bunch of malarkey, I, I really invite you to reflect on your life because there has been times where that's happened. You know, also as songwriters, you know, we get stuck on a problem or on a lyric or could be whatever. You don't even have to be songwriters like, like we're saying, but I'll use that as an example. If I'm stuck on a lyric for a song and I'm grinding away at my computer and I realize that my inspiration's kind of gone and now I'm just in my analytical brain trying to make it sound good, trying to make it poetic, I know then to walk the heck away. And the truth is at some point, I cannot control when, Meg, but at some point, boop, ah, maybe it's when I'm running, maybe it's when I'm taking a shower, but the perfect lyrics will occur to me or the perfect solution to that problem at work will occur. And this is really an under, I, I believe this is really an intellect that's available to us that we really underestimate. We really highly praise our analytical monkey brains and there's nothing wrong with them. They do great things. But what I am suggesting is living a different way, living a way where your instinct, your intuition, that clarity is leading the way and then your analytical brain goes to work for that. So your intellect works for your intuition instead of the other way around perhaps. Okay, <laughs> that was longer than I thought it was going to be, Meg, but <laughs> please ask your next question. <laughs> okay, well, to get into the next question, it's always long with you, Amy. I love our talks. Like you just said, if anybody isn't agreeing with us, which is fine, you know what I mean? It's absolutely fine if the voice in your head is kind of going crazy when we're talking about money. And one thing that 
we hear often is that when we start introducing people to look inward towards the nature of their human system, to look at thought and consciousness at work as the true root and cause of how you feel in your body, it's not to say that we're saying that real things in the world aren't happening, that circumstances don't happen, that, you know, your student loan debt is only in your thinking. No, your student loan debt is still on your statements that you owe. However, what we're talking about is a transformation in how you relate to and experience student loan debt. And from a less emotional and clearer state of mind, it's practical and advantageous for you because then you can approach student loans through more creative solutions. You can experience student loans without it interfering with your day-to-day well-being, without it keeping you up at night. And that is invaluable. So one thing I invite you, the listener, to explore is what is your belief about either money or comparison or the need to be perfect and the fear of rejection? What is that costing you in your life? What has it already cost you? What will it continue to cost you if you don't look inward if a transformation or a change isn't facilitated. And I think that for anybody that's having trouble understanding what we're talking about or anything along the lines of that, it may be helpful for both of us to, to hear where we're coming from. Um, so we'd love to hear from you. Um, the other thing I want to say before I ask you your last question is that you mentioned about like quieting the mind and becoming resourceful. And that's almost like a meditation. And the amazing thing about meditation and I don't mean it to be woo-woo, like you have to sit with your legs crossed, right? Is that meditation can come from when you're out running or when you're just doing something that you enjoy and your mind is no longer in the analytical brain and the intellect and you're more in your wisdom and intuition, right? When you're doing something you love and you step away um, and you just let your mind go blank in a way, you know, that's when creativity comes to you, like at least for me, you know, and I think I've seen that with my clients as well. Um, And so with that being said, the last thing that I wanted to touch upon with you, Amy, is the feeling of overwhelm and having maybe too many ideas, right? Either your own ideas or overwhelm because we have this, this internet where, you know, every two seconds there's an ad for your attention, like, oh, you need this or, oh, you need to do that. Or this is the system for you, or, you know, this is the way to write a song, or this is the most hit beat right now you should be doing, you know hip hop and R&B or you should be doing electronic and stuff like that and just feeling this overwhelm right and how how it is that you deal with overwhelm and and how it is that you perceive it kind of hindering I guess when it comes to creativity yeah that's a great question I really like what you said about meditation as well Meg and and a lot of people describe this athletes will describe this as being in the zone or being in the now or, or things like that and and it just reminded me there's a three principles facilitator um, named Annika Hurwitt, and she used to do a lot of meditation. And then when she started getting into this conversation about human experience um, and how it unfolds, she realized that, you know, she had this experience of being more present than she'd ever been, even when she was meditating, you know, several, several hours a day. So the thing as well is that I just want to share that this clarity is 
on offer at any time. It's even on offer when you're in a low state because it's so often that we'll phrase things like when I'm doing something I love, like singing or songwriting, but the truth is who's creating that idea that it's something that I love that's me, right? If I have an idea about something that when I go for a run, I feel this way, well, the brain is going to do what it does. It's going to make those thoughts a reality for you. So it's almost like what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know? Now, yes, we aren't denying the fact that in your body, there are physiological changes that occur when you go out for a run, for instance, or exercise or sing. But again, we want to really peel back our perspective and look at what's more universal. So the truth is that experience that physiology, that biochemistry, that's still happening inside of you. And your relationship to that activity, whether conscious or unconscious, is absolutely affecting your inner state of mind. So an example for this is how else can we explain the side effects of drugs? When you get your prescription at the counter, it lists all these different side effects. Not every single person experiences one of those side effects or a handful of those side effects. It varies so drastically person to person because each person has energy moving through their biochemistry in a different way. Each person has the principle of thought, which is this energy moving through them show up in markedly different ways. It's also important to note that there are a few studies being done now about physical health and mental health that really hone in on this idea of this inside-out paradigm, this inner energy, this impersonal energy moving through. So again, another example is a study that I'd heard recently that they found that it wasn't someone's weight, whether they were overweight or not, which determined their longevity, which we know this to be true. I mean, there are people that you know that are very overweight or maybe an aunt you have that smoked her whole life, but yet she hasn't developed lung cancer or the overweight person lived to a really late age in life because they're finding that it's actually someone's mindset. It's actually someone's relationship to their life. How much are they in love with life, for instance? What's their perception of life that actually is linked to longevity now? That that seems more a core factor than the extraneous values of health. And again, I'm not saying that it may not be important for certain people to get into good shape or what have you. But the truth is, again, that's not the root cause because we see tons of cases of the opposite. Like we talked about the aunt that has smoked for 50, 60 years and she's 95. Or the uncle that's, you know, several pounds overweight and he's still doing just fine at 80. So what does this mean for you? It means that there is a tenor and quality of living that there are things about your own thinking feeling system that you don't see yet that once you see them through insight and fresh perspective that the quality of your life has the capacity to change in ways you never imagined possible let's continue on talking more about the solution to all of these problems that creative people face such as perfectionism 
comparison, the fear of rejection, the lack of money, and the next one, which is overwhelm. So I just want to share that, again, that there's really this potential for psychological freedom on offer for everybody. And with that, with the overwhelm question, I think is an excellent point. I think it's a really common experience to feel overwhelmed, especially as a creative person, you've got this to-do list. And at least for me, there's sometimes a sensation of I'm never doing enough. I'm never doing anything that's taking me anywhere. And of course, that's just an interpretation. But the truth, as I've come to see it, is that overwhelm does not come from my to-do list. Because the truth is, even when I'm not having all of these outside things to do, I can still experience overwhelm. And again, uh, a a story that uh, advanced coach Jean shared on one of her radio shows that I just thought was brilliant was when she was speaking with a client. And the client had a really transformational experience speaking with her and signed up for all these different things and really was in action and felt really inspired in the moment that she signed up for these things. Now she was human. So at some point she (laughs) moved to a different state of mind. And when she was in that state of mind, she felt overwhelmed. And she said, uh, you know, usually I would just try to get out of all these commitments. But she had a conversation with Jean and she saw for herself that overwhelm is And the sensation of overwhelm, because it's a feeling, is always created from the inside. And she realized that she didn't have to attend to the things out there, that this sensation of discomfort was going to pass. And she stayed with her commitments. And after that experience, she said, you know what? I am so glad that I didn't get out of all of those things that I had to do. And then who knows for that individual where doing those things and staying with those things will actually take her in her life with her career. I mean, who knows? I don't know. But there's something, again, that's really powerful about seeing that when you're caught up, does it look like it's coming from something outside of you? If it does, ask yourself how that feels. When, it, when I forget this, <laughs> that this is how the system works and it looks like it's coming from my to-do list, it feels pretty bad. <laughs> it feels uncomfortable. Um, it feels adrenaline. You know, I feel the adrenaline in my body. But in a moment of grace, or of openness, or of of clear-mindedness, which Meg and I have been talking about, where I'm able to ask the question, is it coming from something out there, or is this experience coming from thought in the moment? And when I chuckle at myself, and I see for myself, and rediscover the truth of that, it's only coming from thought in the moment, ever. It can't come from anywhere else. That's not how the system works. Nothing outside of me can get into my brain, body, and soul, and put in a feeling. It can't happen. It cannot happen. It's, it, it's physically not possible. So when I see that, it's like, ah, okay. I'm a little bit on to myself. And like Meg shared, maybe that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I'm like happy, happy Pollyanna, but the quality of my living does shift a little bit. And it allows me to then take action that makes sense just bit by bit. Actually, your brother has a phrase that I used to really like. And when I used to feel overwhelmed, he used to say this to me, how do you eat an elephant aim? Bite by bite, you know, just taking the next logical step. And even if that's a baby step, it is taking action. It is creating momentum. Um, And of course, and then it's actually getting to the completion of the thing that you're, that you're doing. Ooh, wow. So Meg, where should we go now? 
Well, I think we're getting a little bit short on time. And what I'd love to do now, and I think we've touched upon it throughout this entire podcast, is talk about the solution to these five core and common quote-unquote problems that um, songwriters and creatives and entrepreneurs and people in everyday life suffer from. The solution is really simple. (laughs) It's really simple as I've come to see. I can't even believe how simple life can be sometimes. I was talking with Dr. Amy Johnson about this a few weeks ago. But when you see, again, that you are the thinker and that it's not what you think that matters. It makes a huge difference. When you see that you are part of a larger energetic system, that you are this physical being with which energy is moving through all the time, you start to see that, well, you know what? Maybe this isn't all about me. Maybe it isn't personal. Maybe I'm just really part of a neutral system. And I I think it's really common that when we talk about something like thought, like people think that I'm talking about their conscience thinking of like, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? There's layers of unconscious thinking that are going on all the time that are creating sensation in our body. Whatever we think we feel, that's how our system has been designed. I'm really going to repeat that again, because I'm saying that 100% of how you feel comes from thought in the moment. When people hear that, they start getting all kinds of objections which take them away from the core of what we're speaking to. Or they think that I'm saying that it is the victim's fault, that it is the person that has a mental illness diagnosis, that it's their fault, that they feel bad, or it's the executive's fault that they feel stressed. But I really invite you to look at the habit of blame or looking through the the frame of blame. That is just a habit of thought. That's a default pattern that some people move through life with. And that's completely irrelevant to what I'm talking about. So I really encourage you to dig a little bit deeper into what we're exploring Look beyond your personal thinking of whether you agree or disagree with Megari, whether you like or dislike Megari. Investigate this for yourself. Experiment in your own life with the link between your thinking and your feeling. Just notice, notice the thoughts that are going through and the feeling that comes immediately. It is so quick. And that's why it is so elusive and seductive and why so often we believe that our upset is coming from the circumstance or the other person. When what's truly going on is the upset is being generated via thought in the moment. If you're thinking about extreme circumstances like war or rape or job loss, I just invite you again to peel back your focus because what is true is that there could be a circumstance like war or an earthquake and you will have a hundred people that experience that and a hundred people will experience that circumstance differently. 
What's going on there? The fact is that each individual is a middleman. They are by nature a physical filter of what's going on in the world. And they filter it through their patterns of thinking, their thought in the moment, habits of thought, whether conscious or unconscious. Let's get back to the solution. Again, I just invite you to drop back, let go of the resistance, and keep an open mind for the duration of this podcast. There's an absolute deep and free feeling to know the truth that we are these energetic beings that are having this human experience and that it really is really neutral. And ironically, when someone starts to see this in their own life, it effortlessly becomes neutral because it no longer makes sense in a lot of phases to make things so personal and about them. And this is where I think there's a lot of freedom as a creative person, when it is more neutral, when it looks more neutral to you, when you have less on it, you're actually likely to perform much, much better than when you're running all of the reasons why you need to land that audition and what it will say about your career and et cetera, as opposed to when you're just showing up authentically as you are, you're thinking about how can I serve this audience right now? And it's just working through you in that way. The why have been talking about this for centuries, about looking within. You're searching everywhere else, but to look within. When you see the truth for yourself, that there's immense power in that. And that's all going to show up a little bit differently for each of us. Meg and I might use different words to describe it. Other teachers use different words, but we're really all pointing at, again, this universal fundamental truth that we are these energetic beings. There is a mystery of life that exists and that we have this immense power of thought and that the thought isn't even personal. You know, that it's not something I'm consciously doing all the time and that that's okay. That's okay. One of the most common traps that I see people getting into that are new to this kind of conversation and exploration is that they experience the link between how they think and how they feel. They see it show up in their life so it makes sense. They then try to change or control their thinking in order to change or control their feeling. However, this is fundamentally flawed because it's often approaching the problem or approaching the situation from the same level of thinking that the person has been habituated to use. This is where having an advisor a coach is extremely valuable because it allows you to cut your costs. Remember the question I asked earlier of what is it costing you in your life to have these hangups? It allows you to cut the cost quicker and with more ease. Now, it's not to say that each individual can't find their own answers because that's how the system is designed. That absolutely can happen. But it's almost like, okay, if you're out to eat and you have something in your teeth that you can't feel, the only way that you know it's there is if someone tells you or if you look in the mirror. And this is where it's valuable to have an advisor or coach because they act as a mirror for you. They have more experience living in this quality of thinking. And because they aren't you, 
they're much more objective and can see much more clearly the areas that you are stuck in or that are holding you back. So if what we've talked about in this two-part podcast is resonating with you, if you're curious or excited about the prospect of living with incredibly less stress and with a much clearer mindset, then I encourage you to email me at amy at amyleo.com to apply for a strategy session. We have a few more minutes left in the podcast. Let's hear what we have to say to close it out for today. To know that a fresh thought and inspiring thought is always coming down the pike. So I don't need to be afraid of my experience or make meaning out of my negative thinking or the fact that I am too afraid to get up on stage right now. If that's where you're at, that's where you're at. And the magic of the system is that we're built for insight. We're built for aha moments. We're built to see things clearer for ourselves. So I really just uh, encourage listeners, if this sounds at all interesting to you to really stick with us on this podcast, you can always reach out to me at amy at amyleo.com or go to reviveyoursanity.com to learn a little bit more about what we offer. We also have a variety of free resources up there if you want to kind of uh, get, get your feet wet and learn a little bit more. It's just amazing, you know, it's not that any of us are insecure or any of us really have self-doubt. We just think that that's a big difference because that's not real. It's not real. Truly, truly isn't real. Now, as we close this out, I just want to make clear about what I'm saying isn't real. Though the experience, the feeling that comes from that kind of thinking is real, the thinking itself is not real. It's not based on truth. It's based on your subjective interpretation, which can never be absolutely true. And the reason why it can never be absolutely true is because, like we said, we are built-in filters of reality. We, by that very nature, are always subjective and what's more, if something is true, if something is a principle, if it's a law, it doesn't change. And our thoughts and feelings change all of the time. I want to thank Meg for being on this call with me. I also want to thank my entire team at Revive Your Sanity. Chris, who does our social media, our Instagram page at Revive Your Sanity, that shares a lot of our real stories that are just absolutely mind-boggling and inspiring, turning possibilities into probabilities. A huge thank you to our podcast producer, Kelly Munstrad. If you have any audio and visual needs yourself, you can reach Kelly at Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y dot Munstrad, M-O-N-S-R-U-D at gmail.com. Without further ado, it's about that time. Kelly, cue the drum roll for today's real story. This one is a lot of fun, and I think this puts into real-world perspective. What I've been talking about is extremely practical. So here is today's Amy's real story. Dun, 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 dun. Man with one arm plays Major League Baseball, and even pitches a no-hitter. 
Okay, I'm going to repeat it because I always love to repeat the real stories because they're incredible and they point to the true nature and capacity of human beings. So man with one arm plays major league baseball and even pitches a no-hitter. So to give you more context about today's real story, in 1993, Yankee player Jim Abbott joins an elite group of pitchers that pitch an entire game without someone getting a hit off them. The beauty of Jim's story is that it illustrates how the innate capabilities of his mental equipment allowed him to achieve success. It never occurred to him that he was limited or different. He did not conjure up positive thoughts either. In the absence of any thinking about his condition, the human system seemed to provide him everything he needed. We're not intending to be inspirational here, just pragmatic about the fabulous equipment that you have inside. If you understand these basic capabilities within yourself, you will naturally see how to be at your best more easily. And this Information has been sourced by an amazing book called Insight Principles. It's by Ken Manning, Robert Shabbat, and Sandra Crott. And I will post a link of how you can learn more about that amazing book on the show notes today. If you are interested in exploring more about your own inner capacities so that you can cultivate work, life, balance that is far beyond anything you imagined, experiencing less stress than ever, making clear decisions, experiencing time management, not through willpower, but through inspiration. So you can also make time for yourself and your creative pursuits. This is really what we specialize in. So head on over to reviveyoursanity.com, enter your name and email so you will continue to get the podcast, but you'll also have access to our curated playlist of resources to really help you achieve peak performance and again, this sense of empowerment that is organic, that comes from the inside out, that creates solutions in your life for problems that have been longstanding. Our focus is to facilitate insights and new perspectives so that you can experience a better quality of life than you ever expected. This is not some woo-woo BS. This is based on scientifically proven principles that have had an effect positively for thousands and thousands of people around the world. Again, my name was Amy Leo from ReviveYourSanity.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, keep rocking.